Welcome to the Magnificent Singer podcast. Today, I've come to the North London studio of Swedish singer-songwriter Clara to find out a little bit more about how she makes her music happen. But first, I've just spied her rather characterful piano in the corner, and I'm going to have a quick go on that. I feel better now. For my album that I uh, recorded at Real World Studios, we had actually six weeks of pre-production where I thought through the arrangements and worked with my guitar player to find what kind of layers of electric guitar we wanted and what songs I wanted to sound more funky with just acoustic guitar and maybe lap steel or cello. I wanted to make sure that the album had lots of different colours. Why did you sleep outside? Did you get lost from where you once belong? So welcome Clara. Thank you. Singer-songwriter and recording artist. Could you start telling us a little bit more about what that actually means? Yes. So I write uh, my songs on either piano or guitar. Um, My first album I actually wrote fully on piano, but now guitar is probably my main instrument. So two of the tracks on the album is uh, me playing piano, but the rest is guitar. And I either use my acoustic guitar or my electric with more effects on to produce the album. If you listen to your music, your music is mellow and relaxing, but actually there's an awful lot of detail in there. There's many layers of instruments and and textures uh, which really contribute to your overall sound. That didn't happen overnight. Could you talk a little bit more about how you came from being Clara writing songs with her guitar to this really quite complex piece of music? I think it went through a few different EPs and demos and um, I I think I get stuck on certain instruments. I love the cello and recently I've fallen in love with um, pedal steel which is an instrument, really complex instrument that you can hear on lots of um, country albums. Pedal steel, is that a... Pedal steel, so you have lap steel which is like an electric guitar that you put in your lap and you use like a bottleneck to make it sound really cool but the pedal steel is even more complex because he has lots of pedals to uh, bend the notes and it's it's amazing i had it on four different songs on my album because i love it so much i think it it comes from i write a song it's quite simple chords and melody and uh, lyrics and then i imagine other instruments on top of it so for my album that i uh, recorded at Real World Studios. We, um, I had actually six weeks of pre-production where I thought through the arrangements and worked with my guitar player to find what kind of layers of electric guitar we wanted and what songs I wanted to sound more folky with just acoustic guitar and maybe lap steel or cello. And uh, I wanted to make sure that the album had lots of different colours. So... The arrangements to me are really important for that. There's a lot going on there. Let's go right back to... (laughs) (laughs) Because you're um, obviously Swedish, but based here in London. So let's go right back to where it all began. Because you didn't spring up in this fantastic studio writing all these complex arrangements. All right. So I knew I wanted to do music full-time when I was around 18. And that's quite late, but I still knew that I... I really wanted to do nothing else than music. Were you in Sweden? I was in Sweden and I took two years out in, uh, it was a magical place. It was out in by a lake and lots of different forests and we didn't really go into town much. We were just at this uh, place where we, maybe 15 musicians and for two years we just played and composed and practiced. And after that I started my master's degree in Malmö. Malmö Musikhögskolan. So there I was mainly surrounded by classical musicians and jazz musicians. And Was this a, a sort of typical conservatoire? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Not, uh, not contemporary music, popular music. It was firmly yes. in the so traditional... Mainly jazz musicians and classical musicians. Um, and I did a program called Individual Musicians. So I took composition lessons and singing lessons and also guitar and piano. Um, and then I took my last year in London and I thought I would be here just for one year. And <laughs> I stayed because <laughs> there is no better place to be when you're surrounded by lots of uh, 
creative places and creative people uh, in London. I I really think it's a beautiful place for that. I do miss nature, uh, so that's why I filmed my new videos in nature and I went to Real World Studios, which is out in the nature, because uh, I think I'm inspired by that. But the call of London uh, for many people come here for a little time and then, then we're here. So you explored your creativity in mm. Sweden. Yeah. In your mind then, were you uh, a songwriter? I was, I think, always a singer and a songwriter. Yeah, so I always felt like I wanted to write songs and I wanted to sing them myself. <laughs> so this decision of... Uh, wanting to be, to work in music yeah. it, it wasn't I can now sing oh, it would be quite interesting to explore songwriting it was no, that was a really important part of it yes, the actual yeah. song and you wanted to sing your songs <laughs> yes <laughs> and I mean I I think I mean I started playing piano and guitar when I was around eight eight nine and then took singing lessons and started writing really bad songs <laughs> and then they became better uh, but yeah, it was when I was at university that I knew I wanted it as a career and I was set on writing songs and I even uh, recorded my first e- few EPs while I was at university as well and did a little Swedish tour and uh, played on the radio. And I mean, I had like really high ambitions, but slowly, slowly. Uh, did you write in um, Swedish or English? I've never written a song in Swedish and I think I, I, I get this question a lot and people say, why don't you write, you know, Swedish is a beautiful language, why don't you write in your own language? Which would make sense because I would probably write better, but I think it is because I never listen to Swedish artists. I always listen to American or English artists, so that became my musical language and it would feel strange. And maybe, if you go really analytical, maybe if I would write in Swedish I would feel a little bit more... How do you say naked? Yeah, <laughs> vulnerable. Yes. Yeah, uh, vulnerable. Maybe. Uh, yes, it's a so detachment. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like playing an instrument and singing. There, there is a slight okay because you're doing something else as well with your hands. Absolutely. When you actually you're performing yeah. with just you and the audience, there there is a real intimacy which can be terrifying. Yeah. You were you were writing your songs, you're crafting your songs. In your mind, uh, at that point, did you have an idea of a bigger soundscape? I'm curious about this this influence of your home country and nature, which seems to shout out from your music. Ah, thank you, because <laughs> that's great if you can hear nature in my music. Um, when it comes to recording my first EPs and demos, I actually had help from um, a producer called John Conlon, who was from England. And we talked about what kind of sound we wanted. And I think I had listened a lot to Tracy Chapman and more American folk. Mm-hmm. And I had understood how she beautifully arranged each album with different kind of instruments to make it sound how she wanted it to sound so I think you have musical references and then you have your own imagination and then of course like then I worked with like I do today I work with different producers who I trust and I've co-produced all my albums and but I do think it's important to get a producer who who you completely trust they have the same musical references as yourself I suppose the important thing is that that you had a clear idea or even if it's quite a fuzzy concept or a feeling Mm. you had an idea of something more defined it wasn't you going into the studio just to literally make a a recording of your music you actually wanted to use the studio to craft your sound and you had an idea of what that could be yeah and I guess it's also between each EP or album I have done it's changed slightly because you want to explore the soundscape so my first album was with jazz musicians I still wrote a little bit more like folk pop songs but Mm -hmm. because jazz musicians played they sounded a lot more experimental and much more jazzy which I you know I love that sound too and then my next few EPs because I was playing with more pop rock musicians sounded a bit more like that and then this album is more maybe I had a more clear sound in my head what I wanted to go for but I'm still I mean it's beautiful that I'm caught in between two but I love the folky acoustic very organic sound but I'm also intrigued by a little bit darker more produced sound and that's I think where my album happened there's a few songs that are more produced but there will always be 
organic elements in my music. Recording this from your studio here in Crouch End, beautiful room, uh, must be quite inspirational actually. But can we go into a little bit more depth about what actually happens from the beginning of you coming with your songs to how they end up being crafted into these quite rich pieces of music? I would say that it starts with a structure of a four piece. So drums, bass, guitar either two guitars or me playing the piano and mm-hmm. then another guitar player. It starts there and then I reimagine it with either a pedal steel or a cello arrangement or I had two, for example, on these woods that I, I wrote for Volvo and Bowers and Wilkins uh, for the cinema and TV advert. I, um, I knew from the start that I wanted strings on it and I wanted two French horns. Uh, or actually, I talked to my arranger, Jonas Nydersjö from Sweden, who also was with me out in the forest and <laughs> in the two years before university, I met him there. It's <laughs> <laughs> an important time. <laughs> yes, it's actually probably the best two years of my life. It's so interesting how <laughs> these have impact. The small things we do when we're younger. So, yes, I had an idea that I wanted strings and horns. And then I asked Jonas what combination of horns I should have if if we didn't have like a full horn section what and he said okay two French horns would be really beautiful Mm -hmm. and in in real world studios they have a wood room they have a large beautiful room with just wood on the walls and it's great for strings and French horns and it's actually interesting because the French horn they play against the wooden wall and then the sound bounces out wow. in the room and it's those kind of tricks you learn when you're working with great engineers and producers and I, I'm s- such a curious person I love to see it all coming together and you know what we forgot we forgot the the voices I mean the vocal production are so important to me I even forgot to mention that but I had great uh, backing singers who we did big vocal arrangements for almost all the songs and I find that really makes a difference in the sound on the record. So you choose to bring in other singers as well as yourself because you could overdub yourself. Yes and I did on a few tracks I had just my own voice singing um, in lots of different layers that's cool too but it is a little bit more clinical sound when it is your own voice even if you can affect it you can put reverb and delay on it it still sounds uh, in a certain way I, I like it but it's I think it sounds warmer when you have different voices ah, I see so that's interesting so, you, so almost a, a different personality of another com- the person so even if they're singing the same notes as, as you exactly there's that slight different timbre that always yes. brings death ah, interesting Absolutely. so it's worth bringing in yes mm. yeah and also i think i uh, i'm a people's person i really like to interact and collaborate with other people and to have them in the studio working together with me i just like that i think the results are better real world studios is uh peter gabriel's studio yeah right? so it's peter gabriel studios it's um situated out a little bit outside of bath and it's beautiful place it's you look out to the water and uh, the rolling English hills and it's a magical place and it's I think one of the few studios where you can actually stay there so it was it's a hotel as well so you stay there with the musicians and you get a really good energy because you're there for such a long time Uh, and it's two they have a few studios but we use the wood room for strings and horns and the main uh, recordings and then there's a huge live room and I remember I was there maybe 10 years before with a group from Tanzania and I remember walking into that room and thinking that's the most beautiful studio I've ever seen and it is one of the best in the world. So just be clear a live room is where actually things are played. So they have formed it as um, it's where the engineer and the desk is but because the room is so big it's 
big enough to have separation between the mics so you could actually record the whole band in there and it would still work to separate the instruments and edit it after. Who are you um, recording with from Tanzania? Um, so I went to Tanzania for three summers to learn to sing in Swahili and in Kigogo, which was this tribe I was there with, and uh, learn how to play irimba, which is a thumb piano. <laughs> and it's actually tuned in a, like a pentatonic A-flat scale. It's really interesting to learn how to play. And they were on tour um, with Peter Gabriel and they were playing WOMAD Festival and they were uh, Peter Gabriel released their music and I went with them to London to Real World Studios to record and I actually didn't record that I just helped translate goodness what an experience that's incredible and I never thought I would come back and record my own album that that was like a yeah a dream come true for a me. little seed had been planted there yes. it obviously it had impact on you surroundings seem to be really important to how you craft your art I think you're right I think I am quite a visual person in mix I am quite sensitive in general but I think what I see really has an impact on me so if I walk along a street which is lined with trees it makes me happy so I lived in Made Vale for a long time because every street there has trees on it and it really makes an impact on me I think I have to be calm to be able to get space to create. I like the way you seem to have balanced out the potential downfalls of actually being quite independent and proactive in how you craft your music. You're not just writing that and then passing that over to the producer. Mm. You have a strong input into the production. Do you actually yeah. record yourself or do you have an engineer? So um, in for my album I worked with an engineer who works at real world studios his name is ollie jacobs and he was fantastic he has great knowledge of the room but also is a very good engineer but one of his best uh, traits personality traits yeah. is that he is just as tenacious as me and very positive his we worked 12 hours for uh, we were there for eight days and him and me worked 12 hours every day and he has such a, a focus and positivity and I think we wouldn't have got through it without that so yes I I do um, need good people around me as a team to help and I also had Erland Cooper who I co-produced the album with and uh, I trusted him he, he's a great songwriter and a very good musician himself and he's also produced and mixed um, different records uh, and it was great working with him we did um the mixing together and we also did some post-production so the eight days at real world studios were where we get the absolute best sound but we did pre-production and post-production as well what does that mean pre-production and post-production mm. well say if you had three months in a great studio you could do it all there and you have all the time in the world to create and and make decisions and change your mind and things but if you only have eight days to record a How full albums 12 tracks right then i think it really is if you want the best results apart from practicing with the musicians and having the arrangements ready we actually recorded in here in church studios one of the i rent one of the studios in the complex um we worked six weeks on just recording everything but it's like a demo recording so I you know it. what it will sound like but it's not the same uh, quality of recording because at real world they have the best equipment a really good engineer in the room and you know every 
everything is very high quality. But to get to understand what kind of sound you want, you do the pre-production. So Not everyone, but I want to. <laughs> no, I can understand. You're so ridiculous. So pre-production, in a way, is a bit like a practice run. So this, yeah. this is what we're aiming for. And it's sort of double-checking that everything sits together well in the arrangement. Yeah, but the actual execution of the recording is perhaps not the best or perhaps not on this world-class quality that you could get if you're going into a world-class studio exactly. with a world-class <laughs> engineer. Yeah, and you can also decide should I have the acoustic with nylon strings or, you know, should I have... Um, what should the pedal steel actually play? We did like lots of runs with him, even if he's a great player, it's still nice for me to understand exactly what the arrangement will sound like. So did you use the musicians that actually played on the album in pre-production? Yes, So you wouldn't exactly the same musician, apart from drums, because drums, this studio is too small to be able to record drums in. So for that, we just had rehearsals and I recorded the rehearsals just to to remember what we did because <laughs> that's the thing as well people that are creative are really good at coming up with new inventions every time <laughs> so the hardest thing is actually to remember what did it sound like what when it was that perfect take what 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 was that why was that so that's why it's really good to do so actually the pre-production stage it's not just a matter of checking that your arrangements work and that you like the flow of the whole album you're not wasting time in the very expensive studio on decisions about steel guitar or acoustic guitar and all that kind of stuff but actually it's also about making sure you've drawn out the personality of the player so yeah. it's that's why it's really important yeah. you get those people in rather than just doing it yourself exactly yeah mm. and i think you can also destroy a little bit the creativity of, for example, my drummer was absolutely, uh, he he's such a talented player. <laughs> I but wonder I'm, where that was no, going to go, no, the drummers. Sorry, sorry, because I'm not English, sometimes I'm looking for the words and there, there, there comes a huge silence. He, um, I think the he, English do that as well, so I wouldn't <laughs> worry. So his name is Fabio and he's a great uh, player. He plays with George Ezra, he's on tour with him now and he he's great at percussion and a really good drummer and um, on one of the tracks I had done a little like pre-production with the really bad uh, electronic drums and just because he heard that I think it kind of <laughs> made his performance worse because he was trying to emulate that and then I was thinking no sometimes with the drums it's actually better to just let let them imagine what, what it could be because I don't know enough about drums. This is a really good point about writing for an instrument that you don't play yeah. or or even anywhere near playing if you sort of mean if you've not, not had experience of sitting behind the kit yeah. so even if you really try really hard actually sometimes it's better. So. It's better to let them who are really good at what they're doing yes. do, their, do their best and <laughs> yeah. they will colour your songs and of course in rehearsals you will hear it and you'll talk about it and talk about the feel and say oh, okay could could we try something more folky or could we you know you talk about how you could do it even better so there's a real fine line between being organized and using your uh, resources well thinking uh, when i go into this fabulous mm. studio i'm going to be really prepared and actually being over prepared so you can i think you used the word destroy which i think was was really great you can kill the mood the vibe, yeah. by being too um, yeah. anxious yeah yeah, and you can forget the most important things as well. I think that was why Erland Cooper came down on some of the days when we were there and helped out. And he just, for a few songs, just changed the tempo, just a few BPMs because he thought it sounded a bit rushed. And because I was so used to how we had done it, maybe I had overlooked those things. So it's great to have a sounding board and someone else who comes in with a perspective because things like tempos can really change this song and make it better yes and it's sometimes when you're in the middle of your creation it's really hard to judge that for yourself as sounding boards are so important as you're so independently minded i get the impression that if you wanted something to happen not in an aggressive way but you would make it happen flower <laughs> <laughs> on board <laughs> But I, the downside of that is perhaps over preparing. Yeah, and yeah. also not having the feedback of other people. How mm. do you manage that? I try to bring in people that are good at what they're doing. And for example, with a pre production, I felt a little bit lost in the beginning and I, I brought in my uh, guitar player. 
Samuel Williams, who did a great job in the recording, but also helped me with the pre-production. Because I think it's when you create something, it's so many different um, ways you can go. So I think the best thing is just try a few, and then you'll see what what you like. And if you're doing that with someone else, is it's more fun and less scary as well. Yes, that fear factor can really hold us back <laughs> yeah. from actually starting anything because yeah. it feels so overwhelming. So your advice is really just start, create something yeah. and then bring somebody else in to help you develop yeah. it or just give you another yeah. opinion, whether that's start again or uh, or you've got something there or like you say, yeah. if you just change the tempo of that one, that song could really come to life. Yeah. Truly is a collaborative thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I believe in that collaborations most of the time will give you a better result as well. So you, if you're working with someone else, they will always have other skills to bring to the table that will make it better. And yeah, maybe the the difficult things is is because I don't like hierarchy. I don't like when I have to decide what other people should do or when I have to bring out a little bit more. How do you say that I have to lay down? Okay, this is what we're going to do. I don't like that side in me. But when it's a group, you kind of have to be to work out how can I be a good leader that still leaves enough room for everyone to feel that they can you know make the best of their own skills and how how can you make sure you don't step on someone's toes and how can you still get the album or the sound that you had in your head but I believe in if you work with people you really like and they respect you as a musician and songwriter and I respect them as who they are then I think yeah, you get over those bumps because there are there are always going to be a few, not conflicts, but I remember a moment in the studio where Erlen and I had worked really intensely and we had one of those little bumps <laughs> and uh, I just realised it's actually because he is just as passionate and into this as I am. Otherwise, he wouldn't be upset like I am. He wouldn't, he you wouldn't know, care. It's, it's, it, it is because he cares and... That was a good way to get over the bump because I just realised, wow, I have someone with me in the studio who cares as much as I do about this. Which you want, right? Yes, that's what you want. <laughs> you don't want someone who, you know... It's five o'clock, time to go home. <laughs> exactly. So so I had those people, both in the musicians and in the engineer and the co-producer. So I was lucky. Or maybe you created that for yourself. You realised the importance of it. It is important to work with people you like and you can work well with. I agree. I want to keep this thought, I want to let it go. I have in my palm, I want to see it go. It's mine to feel, yours to find. have your own studio when I lived in um, I lived just around the corner in Crouch End and I had a little s- studio in the garden so it was uh, one of those what do you call a shed in the garden <laughs> <laughs> so it was fantastic because you just take your cup of coffee you walk out in the garden and you're in your studio and you can build it as you like and uh, but I would say I like it here better because there's so many different musicians in the church studio and I meet a lot of creative people so it's not as isolated. Uh, but to your question about if I'm confident in the studio or not, I think I have worked for many years in both Logic and Pro Tools but there is always a little bit of a fear that I don't know what I'm doing and I think <laughs> that comes with technical equipment always, computers and pedal boards and recording programs and editing programs and I think it's like languages the more equipment you get used to the more confident you feel so now for example we're editing my music videos and we're working in Adobe Premiere and before I've worked in Final Cut and it's video editing something that's new to me but just because I have worked in Pro Tools and 
and um, other programs, the next program is going to be a little bit easier. So that fear is going to be, yeah. Diluted. Perhaps, uh, diluted. Because yeah, you've conquered one. So would you perhaps uh, recommend to any, any singer-songwriters, budding recording artists, that actually it is a useful thing to set up your own home studio, even in a really simplistic, basic yes. way, that experience yeah. of recording yourself, even yeah. just recording your voice and your guitar is going to pay off. Definitely. And to have a good computer, a good mic and a good preamp. Which are getting cheaper and cheaper these yeah. days, aren't they? More yeah. accessible. Yeah. And just start somewhere and then you can always um, sell your equipment on eBay and buy something else if it was <laughs> the wrong. No, but it's. I think those choices is the, the hardest thing. And I, I remember I got a... Do they a grant? Like when you get a little bit of money from an organisation. Yes, we call it yeah. a grant. So yeah. that was the first time I bought my studio equipment in Sweden and I went to John Conlon who was the, the guy I uh-huh. mentioned before who produced my first EP and I was like I got this money help me get the best how <laughs> do say best equipment for the backer yeah. <laughs> uh, so he he we chose some KRK speakers a computer and a studio projects mic and I still have that mic actually it's fine you know it's it's never going to give me like the highest quality but it's it's good for what it is and it's I'm, I'm only using my home studio to do demo recordings but you can still make it sound enjoyable yes and any small step in that chain of from writing your songs to getting them produced to this world-class level anything that you can do on that little chain is going to help you yeah communicate to the engineer and help you get in a result that you want yeah and if you surround yourself with people who you know you work with engineers they might give you when you have that first equipment you might buy your first compressor or your first reverb unit or you know you, you can always step it up slightly to get better and better sound for yes it. and also yeah. understand what those words yes. mean when you <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry what compressor <laughs> Times I get lost in my own device And then my head rolls My head rolls down There are times I let go of what I believe in And then my heart goes My heart goes cold talk a little bit more about the album itself Blossom. Yeah, yeah so um, there's 12 tracks on there and the first single is called Broken and I must say that m- most of my songs to date has been about relationships or moments in my life that's been a little bit of a struggle and has to be some darkness in there to, to make it interesting. I think that 90% of art in general, there has to be some darkness in there to to make a point, to make something interesting. So Broken is about when you, when someone that you completely trust lets you down. So it's about broken trust. And if it's a possibility to heal the relationship and that's kind of the question in that song which I think happens quite a lot both between friends and family members and in relationships. And then um, something happened in the process of writing this album to me with my lyrics because I think I've always, there have been very personal lyrics, uh, but this time I actually started because of the political darkness that's been happening the last three years in both in America and over here I couldn't be so self-centered to just write about <laughs> my own relationships and um, you know the, our, our own personal struggles which of course resonates with other people as well so it's nothing nothing wrong about writing about uh, that but two songs on my album are more uh, political and one of them Falling which I also recorded on my Crouch End sessions uh, on the like the live recording EP in my living room um, uh, which is now re-recorded at Real World Studios it will be nice to see the difference there uh, in a few of those songs um, that came from the EP but um, anyway Falling was like one of two political songs on the album I don't know why before this I have felt that 
maybe it's because I feel that I am privileged, if you say I come from a privileged background and how do I have a right to write about the struggles or more political conflicts when I'm not, I didn't feel a part of it. But now the last three years have really, I, I remember when Trump was elected in America, I I watched news for maybe three hours per day for, I don't know, two months or something and I got really depressed by it and I had to, tell myself that okay take one week off don't watch news because this is bringing you down so I stopped then and I haven't (laughs) been that engrossed in it since then but one of the songs on the album is um, called Voices and it's like any of my songs it's not that particular it's not just about Trump but it's he he amongst others are a symbol for me for um male predators or people with really loud voices as I felt with Brexit as well it was really loud voices that was for me they're not speaking my truth and I felt a little bit helpless because how can I tell my truth so I guess this is what artists do you you tell it in your songs and hopefully someone will listen and hear a different perspective because I feel that uh, it's needed so that was Voices. But before that, the other political song was uh, Falling, which was on my um, Crouch and Sessions EP. And that is about refugees, because um, as here in England and Sweden, we also had lots of refugees coming. Um, and yeah, it's a huge crisis. And we really try to help the refugees in Sweden, as you do here as well. And uh, every time my mum called and we talked about it, I started crying and I thought, I oh, can't. <laughs> Like, I can't feel this helpless. I need to do something. So I wrote this uh, song called Falling. And the essence of it is that it's so easy to turn your back on a problem because it's too dark. It's too much darkness. And we just, if something is too terrible, we kind of naturally turn our back on it, which is terrible. But sometimes you have to do it to survive. And sometimes you can do something about it. So this is your contribution. (laughs) This is my contribution. Mm. And I shouldn't feel embarrassed because I think you only have one voice and you can only say a few words and then uh, hopefully it makes a difference. Use the skills you have, the resources you have. Yeah. And I I noticed as well, um, perhaps you probably won't want to mention, but I will, is you've been working with the Amy Winehouse Foundation here in London. Yes, they do so much good to the society. They work with uh, disadvantaged young people and they work with um, people who come from a background where where they might have been drug abused. It might not even have been them. It might have been family members around them and how that really creates problems in their life. And they've started a program called Amy's Yard, which is a 12-week program where the young people gets to record a song and understand the music industry and I come in to as a vocal coach for just um, one workshop with the young people where I talk about singing technique and we do a half day workshop so yeah that feels good to be able to help them in exploring their voice and become good singers so actually helping in a, a genuinely practical way Yes, and music is a fantastic release for emotional confusion. Yes, and I've seen, I've really seen a difference in those, how they change in just twelve weeks because they feel like they have something more to live for. Yeah. Like it really inspires them and takes them on a journey, and they also get to know each other, which is great for networking and creating friendships and collaborations. And another benefit of being a musician, singer, artist is being able to share in the collaboration as you were speaking about before. Yeah, the collaborations is actually one of my, not New Year's resolution, but after this album campaign is played out and I get some downtime before playing live, I really want to uh, do lots of collaborations with other songwriters and artists because I really believe in that. That brings out the best uh, of two artists to work together. So that's going to be a little bit of a... Yeah, a project for the next few years.
are an independent artist, which means you have kept that way, so you don't have a label, you're not signed to any particular label, which means you don't have anybody poking you on the back saying you need to appear on this show, you need to be wearing this, you need to be producing more up-tempo songs, you've got complete artistic freedom. However, the downside of that is you haven't got a, a large company setting things up for you. You haven't got the weight of that label behind you. So what, what's your strategy for that? I think there's a lot of things that you need to get right to make sure that the all the energy and money that you put into making a beautiful recording that you actually have someone listening to it as well. So I think... Otherwise it's just a glorified <laughs> yeah. hobby, right? <laughs> so I think to have a team around you, so to have like a PR person who helps with getting the press release out to to the right people and to have a radio plugger who gets the radio to have a listen and uh, hopefully play your song. And then also for me it's really important to have beautiful artwork for the album cover and all on that it goes through all your social media as well and to make music videos which I really enjoy as well because uh, that rem- represent me visually so which is the most important there's a lot of stuff going there there's social media what do you have social media wise so i have facebook instagram twitter tumblr youtube all my videos and then i've started uh, a new thing called patreon which is also it's it's more of a creative family is where you see all the behind the scenes things and get to know me as both an artist but also more of me as a person and how if you're curious and interested in how I work in my studio how I write a song on an upright piano and then suddenly it decide that no it should be a harp instead or you know how to build a guitar pedal or how I create my lyrics or why I've chosen a certain location for a music video or you know if you are really curious in me please come and join me <laughs> and that's uh, patreon.com slash Clara from Sweden and Clara is spelled with a K (laughs) so that is something new for me I've never done that before because it's a little bit scary to show show more of yourself because if you just hear my song it's very much up to you how you interpret it but if I tell you more about me and how I create things that's a little bit scary but also interesting so I hope to do that it's it will be an enjoyable process in showing how I as a songwriter work how I write my songs and how I do the videos and so video is this a, a video based yes so I create videos so the two official music videos that will come out for this album it's for a song called Broken that I talked about the lyrics for and then uh, a song I wrote together with Dan Weinberg uh, who's a collaborator of mine he writes a lot of music too Uh, so we wrote I Can't Speak For You that is uh, one of the songs I played on a grand piano in Real World Studios so it's exciting it was the first time to record in such a beautiful studio and play on a grand piano so having a team and working like with radio pluggers PR and people who know how to you know you have to release a single and then wait six weeks for that to get a bit of attention and momentum and then you release maybe a few more singles and then comes the album so that's about how much I know about that (laughs) (laughs) and then my team helps me but I'm very involved with every step of the creative part so I will I will do two official music videos from Dalana and then I have two music videos from when we recorded the album in Real World Studios and that's where I put all my energy apart from recording the audio. So you've made the decision to focus your energy and your time in the actual creation of the music and the creative choices, your artwork and your videos your social media Uh, but the actual release um, being noticed and um, knocking on people's doors you've chosen to use a team of people that obviously you like and respect but uh, you've recognized that that's not something you could do as well they know how to do it better you you're using your skills in a different way and I guess I mean I could send out my music to blogs and things I have done in the past but a PR person who've done that for 15 years they know where to send it and they they are respected by the blogs to have a good view on what what new music should be heard as well so I I actually respect their part (laughs) as well. You mentioned earlier that you've actually you recorded an EP in your living room was that right? Yes (laughs) yeah and uh, when we recorded in 
my living room. I actually didn't intend for it to come out as an EP. I just had this vision of I wanted to do more music in my community. So because I lived in Crouchen at that point, I wanted to do something called Crouchen Sessions. So if you've heard, heard of So Far Sessions, yeah. um, which are great, they're all over the world and they uh, produce high quality music videos with an audience. So I wanted to um, copy their <laughs> concept, uh, but in my local community. So I did Crouchen Sessions. I invited lots of artists to play and then I played a few of my songs and my point also was to create live videos so I filmed the audience listening and I filmed my band playing and uh, we cut together I think four videos in a day so that's quite a lot of material <laughs> and, <laughs> and then my manager told me these these recordings are great why don't you release them on, on an EP and I was just like what but we just recorded them with some mics in my living room and but then he remixed them and mastered them and then we released them as an EP like live recordings but as an EP so sometimes you have to have someone else telling you you know this is good enough to to release and this is you should put it out there yeah and maybe because <laughs> nobody thought it was ever going to be recorded properly or released properly everybody was yeah. playing quite really yeah did you video it yourself Ah, yes. So I worked with a great cinematographer called Joe Holgate and he did all the Crouch End Sessions uh, videos for me. And um, yeah, we just did a few takes from different cameras, angles, and then he cut it together. So I'm really happy about that. And it's funny that my album is called Blossom and in all those videos there, there was cherry blossom. I bought <laughs> I bought loads of cherry blossoms and, and had them in the background because I wanted something to yeah have the nature in the living room. <laughs> the nature thing is really a part of you, isn't it? Whether it's yeah. whether conscious choices or not, it's just something you're yeah. drawn to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think it is actually, I love London for being such a mix of people and mix of creative. I mean, every day I meet creative people. So that didn't happen when I lived in a smaller town in mm. Sweden. So I am really happy that I'm here. But part of me which I think lots of people, you know, on their commute, they think, oh, what if I was out in the countryside right now? You know, you, you have that. You want to be close to nature. I think that is very natural. I agree. I mean, yeah. I think that uh, we're drawn to London for very much for those reasons, aren't we? Uh, but there's perhaps a little bit of us is always still somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget about it. And then when we go out, you know, for w if we're invited out for a weekend somewhere more into the countryside or one one day I just went out a train ride to a different studio out in the countryside and just to be see the fields. And, you know, it, it makes yes. you happy. It's just <laughs> it's something. It's almost a bit of a shock. <laughs> yeah. <sky>. yeah. <laughs> Step away from it and let it breathe. You're giving it all you got, so don't grieve. Now step away. Step away from it and let it be. If you are too close, you won't see it. Now step away. Step away from it and let it breathe. You're giving it all you got, so don't grieve. Now step away. Step away. Now that you're firmly entrenched in your career and no longer at the beginning, when we're at the beginning of things, we just tend to say yes, don't we? Yes, I'll do that. Um, so, are there things that you would, do you have some no thank yous and some yes pleases? Hmm, interesting. I think that um, because I am a musician, I love playing and I love playing live. But I think in the beginning, when I came to London, I went to like open mic nights and I said yes to every gig and I organized lots of gigs myself and wanted to play as much as possible. And then I realized it's quite tiring and it might be sometimes that it's better to spend time on writing the songs, recording the songs and then like make a tour or make some beautiful concerts but not just any concerts. So I was a support act on a beautiful UK tour with the artist Claire Maguire and we played in beautiful venues, Colson Hall in Bristol, it was beautiful and we played two churches, uh, St Giles in the Fields and St Pancras here in London and those concerts because the 
venue is beautiful and the audience is really there to listen to you that those gigs are magical it doesn't matter if it's 3000 or 30000 or 300 or 30 people but the venue is beautiful and the people have come there to listen um that is different to playing in a bar in london where half the people are in the bar and just drinking and not listening to the music and i guess that is what i mean with quality gigs it's not about how many people are there mm. it's if they come to listen and for example claire maguire has amazing fans they really adore her and love her and because she brought me on the tour they were really nice to me step of leaving your home country coming to this demanding exciting inspiring but definitely demanding city and working in an equally demanding industry where there are no there are no definites but you have successfully carved a, a lasting career for yourself perhaps you could talk us through some of the opportunities that have come from you trying to make things happen yes so one of the things i decided to do was uh, i've always written my songs on my own but I made a decision to start collaborating more and writing with others so I decided to go to LA for two writing trips uh, last year and yeah it was over five weeks of writing so I just booked a few writing sessions with great writers out there but this was a step to start writing and collaborating with uh, more songwriters so I've done that in London and uh, I also last year took a trip or actually two writing trips over five weeks uh, to Los Angeles so that was fun and exciting for me and it meant that I um, reached out to songwriters there and I played a few gigs um, out there as well I did a balcony TV show on a roof top uh, in looking out over Hollywood Hills and um, the beautiful palm trees in LA but the main thing for me was to try to write with other songwriters and one of the great moments there was writing with a prolific songwriter called Tim Myers he used to be in One Republic and he's written a lot of great songs and uh, writing with him was so much fun and a completely different process to when I'm writing on my own he's a great guitar player very good producer and uh, really quick writer and it felt like all the ideas I had he just made them even better and bigger and uh, yeah it really filled the purpose to to be with another writer that you have different strength and that you actually create something better just because you're two writers in the room it was the first time I ex experienced that and it was yeah a lot of fun I think I was really lucky to have him as the first writing session in LA um yeah and that made me you know <laughs> want to do it again so I went there a second time as well and I think I will keep doing that going to LA at least once a year to to write with new writers and meet new musicians out there and um yeah, I, I had great fun out there. So that was one of the moments where I made a decision. I think, okay, this this could be fun and exciting and really give something to uh, my career and my writing music. I think that's a really great example of keeping evolving. Because when, you, when you're starting out in something, because you're sort of bottom of the pile, as it were, pushing out seems quite easy. But that danger point when you're in the middle, things are okay and you're quite comfortable, um, it's quite easy to stagnate there. Your instincts are always to swap countries, but you're reaching out to new experience. I would imagine writing with an American, particularly somebody as prolific as that, with an American songwriter would be different from working with somebody European, perhaps, and you've probably yeah. learnt. I mean, I've learnt something from every writing session I've had because everyone is different have different strengths but yeah to work with a really good writer just makes me better as well so yeah I'm just gonna keep writing with different people and uh, that will really give something to my music I think 
So in 2017, you you were approached by the huge international car brand Volvo to create some music for their latest commercial. Did they just give you free reign? Was it Clara? Can you make some music for us? Or was it a little bit more? Yeah, so they had um, a commercial with a beautiful piano line that Jonathan Goldstein had written. And then they wanted to reimagine it and re-record it at Real World Studios. And so I wrote new melody and new lyrics and I called it These Woods because I love um, lyrics that are somewhere in between poetry and storytelling. And I wanted to write about something that meant something big to me. So I wanted to write about my childhood memories of growing up amongst nature. I'm born and brought up close to lots of forests and lakes and I wanted to write about what an impact that has had on me as a person and how still nature is really important to us, how how it makes us feel calm and understand things around us. Yeah, so so that was what the lyrics was about and then I spent some days in church studios here to write a new melody and that was exciting because I knew it was going to come out on the advert and uh, to have my first TV advert that was really exciting for me as an artist. I love the way you say first TV advert. Loads to come. Oh loads to come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah so um, I knew we were going to record it at Real World Studios and I had been there a long time ago but this was my first time to come there as a recording artist and we had 12 hours to record this song and uh, yeah it was a beautiful experience the the studio is one of the world's finest studios right in the middle of nature you look out on it like English woodland and right outside the studio is a little pond with swans uh, swimming so it was a perfect setting and a great uh, high quality studio to record the track in we seem to return quite often to this uh, sense of uh, atmosphere and depth and nature seems to sort of pop up in your music and your music making, your approach, and actually some of your videos as well. You're kind of yes. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I was talking to my producer, Erlen Cooper, um, we co-produced my album, and he, he actually said, why don't you go back to your roots and record something in nature in Sweden? Uh, so I did. So we went to Sweden, where I used to live in Dalarna. It's uh, three hours north of Stockholm. It's a beautiful place, lots of lakes and forests and uh, mountains. I actually learned to ski when I lived there as well. <laughs> so when I was 10, I lived there for three years with my mom. We lived out in a, can you say commune? Where it's like, <laughs> yeah, so in a commune with just women. So it was a feministic commune and where me and my mother lived uh, for one and a half year. And I was surrounded by strong women and very creative atmosphere. I took a lot of courses. I learned how to sail and ski and build roofs. And it was uh, a very interesting atmosphere. So... For these music videos, I went back to that place where I lived when I was 10 and we recorded. It was uh, middle of the winter. They hadn't had that much snow in 30 years. And the three days we were there, it was beautiful, sunny, clear blue sky days so we were very happy we went out there with a drone camera and um, to make it work financially we did two music videos up there and also it's nice because they have the kind of same theme that we were out on a frozen lake and uh, recorded uh, I don't know if you do you know what a kick sledge is there, there aren't many causes for a kick sledge in London, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> so uh, it's basically almost like skates, but it's a chair with two skates on. Oh, so I do you know so what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can sit on it as well. You can give someone else a lift. And anyway, uh, I we took a red one, really beautiful wooden red uh, kick sledge. We took it out on a frozen lake. And all you can see in the video is blue skies, forests and the frozen lake. And uh, oh, it's gorgeous. And I, I remember doing that when I was little. So it was for me a very, um, what do you say? Uh, nostalgic. Nostalgic. That was the word I was looking for. Nostalgic trip as well. And the other video we did was uh, for I Can't Speak For You. And that I bought a black, beautiful, upright piano, a Swedish design. And we uh, took a tractor and put it out on a snowy field. <laughs> And uh, the the snow was like half a meter, but because it had been so cold, there was um, 
skare on top of the snow, which is actually like a hard layer. So you can put a whole piano and wow. me on, on top of the snow and it looks gorgeous. It's just by a frozen lake as well. So I think... Uh, Nature will make my two music videos really work because it's so beautiful there. There was a story to be told, but we're missing LA wasn't the only American adventure you've had of late. Tell me a little bit about your meeting with Justin from Bonivere. Yes, yeah, so that was absolutely fantastic for me. I um, I go to Glastonbury every year and uh, one evening there in the backstage bar of Park Stage, I meet Justin Vernon. I've been listening to his music for so many years and I really love his voice and his songwriting and uh, he turned out to be such a warm-hearted, kind person. So I, uh, yeah, I met him at the bar and we had a chat for I don't know an hour or something and it was so amazing to just get to speak to him about songwriting and music and uh, he invited me to come over to Wisconsin and to the town Eau Claire where he grew up and where he also has his studio and where he's recorded all his albums and he started a festival there called Eau Claire with Aaron Dessner from The National and uh, that the year he invited me was the first year of that festival and yeah so I went over there and Wisconsin's beautiful lo- lots of lakes and forestry and it looks very much like Sweden and <laughs> actually eight. <laughs> <laughs> end of 1800 beginning of 1900 uh, lots of Swedish people emigrated to America and they actually how do you say put their feet down in <laughs> Wisconsin because <laughs> it looked so much like Sweden so it was amazing to be there and to be among you know great musicians and um, meeting Justin again and hanging out with them and uh, just seeing how they built the festival with curated with really interesting artists and yeah I went there the summer after as well and uh, done a really beautiful festival in the middle of uh, nature um yeah so that was a, a random happy moment for me to meet one of the persons i really admire yes but you know uh, random happy moments but things come from things don't they and uh, it would have been a different story perhaps if you you hadn't had all the stuff that you created already you could feel like speak with confidence to someone that you truly admire and that he was so generous to invite me to his festival well that was yeah that just truly shows that what a uh, beautiful person he is clara shillian it has been a pleasure thank you so much if you'd like to hear these tracks in full jump over to clara's artist page on spotify And if you're on a similar trajectory of creation, check out Clara's documentary, The Making of Blossom, available on Amazon Prime or her Patreon page for a behind-the-scenes look at recording an album. And, of course, a quick mention of the Magnificent Singer membership, which is all about helping you launch your singing projects. We're going to close now with the track that we've mentioned, the video with the beautiful black piano in the white snow. It's definitely worth checking out. This is... I can't speak for you. I can't speak for you, but I know the reasons why we wake up are to feel again and make it show. I can't see for you, but I begin to read some facts we make up and see the colors again. Can't speak for you, I can't see 
I can feel 